You've tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. My name is Oliver Queen. My name is Barry Allen. You're blind, but you see so much. Everything we've been doing, it all leads here. Suit up. Jim Gordon, GCPD. I hear good things about you, Counselor. Harvey Dent. Likewise, about you, Detective. You think you know me, but I've never been more than what each of you has created. <laughs> Just look at the flowers. And we're back for another week of televised heroics. And Daniel, how have you been doing this week? Pretty good. Um, you know, pretty happy that some of the TV shows are starting to come back on. That's I right. did miss some of the shows, actually. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We're we're getting back to to actual some of the. I mean, not that we don't like the shows that we've been talking about, but these are the shows that we talk about regularly. And we have an episode of Fear the Walking Dead. An episode, the first episode of Gotham, and the first episode episode of Agents of Shield, coming back. And I just want to say this now: spoiler alert! I was really impressed with this Agents of Shield episode. Dude, I wasn't expecting um, that kind of tone or anything like it from you know just a pilot, not pilot episode, but the first opening episode of the season. Right. So uh, we'll definitely get into that later. Um, but first, let's talk about some uh, televised heroic news. Uh, what do you have for us? Um, we probably read the same article. Um, I read this earlier in the week, and I noticed that you actually uh, put it up on our Facebook page. But uh, Hugo Weaving possibly you know, making a comeback and coming back for Infinity Wars. Yeah, you know, and this is – it's kind of a, a shocker or a rock to the uh, entertainment industry because – after he did Captain America First Avenger, he was very adamant about how he did not have a good experience on set. He didn't like he didn't like the script. He didn't like having to wear the rubber mask. Uh, he, he feels that you know superhero. He felt that superhero movies were very frivolous and you know uh, weren't real kind of movies. So the fact that he's kind of saying now that he would like to come back to come to Infinity War and also uh that he his experience on set wasn't that bad it's just it was more of being cranky about the mask and having to wear it and being hot and stuff so it's interesting to to hear him say all these things he, you know he's also said about other his other movies in the past that he doesn't like to to come back to stuff like he, he didn't want to have he didn't want to do any more Transformers movies but i'm assuming uh you know Universal just backed up that money truck to his tr- to his house, and he really didn't want to refuse. <laughs> and I mean, it's not like he does a lot of acting; he's just using his voice for Megatron, and then you know, even that they use effects on his voice. That's very true. You know, I think the only like one of the movies that I've heard him actually say that he like one of the big Hollywood blockbuster movies that he actually loved doing was V for Vendetta. Which is obviously a great movie, but it's uh, it's it's probably like one of the only ones that he really likes doing uh, from the sounds <laughs> of it. Um, I know he likes doing his more indie movies, like you know, uh, Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, was one of his first movies that he did, and and I think that's more the acting that he prefers to do when he does films, but. You know, you got to do the the movies that that make you a lot of money. Then you can do the the, the passion projects. You know, just like uh, Matt Damon says in yeah. <laughs> Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, you do one of their movies and then you do one of your movies. 
and you know villain so i think you know he's gonna keep on getting you know asked to do movies and possibly a villainous part yeah and after after agent uh smith you know a lot of people see him as the villain so i can i can see that happening he also said that he had a bad time. He didn't like doing the the Lord of the Rings movie, so but he came back to do the Hobbit. So I, you know, I'm guessing that's more the the money truck stuff. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but you know, why wouldn't you want to be involved in in more MCU movies? You know, Infinity War is probably going to be a super high grossing movie when that comes out. Yep, and I learned. Um... Uh, Richard uh, taught me a couple of uh, ways actors get paid, so I'm pretty sure he's going to take like a small lump sum, and then once the box office money comes in, he'll take some of that too. The back end stuff, yeah, you know, that's the way to do it. Um, uh, you know, and I I personally, and I heard this uh, from another podcast earlier this week, but I also had thought this that uh, the second Avengers movie should have been. The Red Skull returning being the villain, I think that would have made much better because Ultron is such a powerful character in the in the Marvel universe that like he was, I think he was brought out way too soon and defeated way too easily. So he, I mean, he could have been like after Thanos, he could have been after Infinity War, but uh, instead they went because because really the Red Skull isn't. I mean. After Captain America: First Avenger, he's not dead. He just got sucked up into Warped. the cosmic cube. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. He probably got uh, like time tra- traveled to the future. So we'll see him show up here soon. Yeah, I mean it's. Uh, I mean, and I get what you're saying too. I think that's why a lot of fans actually didn't like, um, you know, the second Avengers movie. They found it to be the weakest one. You know. Yeah, I mean, well, I don't, I, of all the, like, all the MCU movies, or just, like, of the two Avengers movies? Just of, like, the two. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, the first Avengers movie is much, is much better than Age of Ultron. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a couple things I wanted to hit on real quick, you know, there was the teaser, the Negan teaser trailer for The Walking Dead that came out, where he's talking about the new rules, uh... That's obviously very exciting. Um, have you seen? Have you seen any rumors about what you can interpret from the scenes that you see there? Because there's definitely a scene where he's talking to someone with some long, stringy hair, which I would assume is uh, Daryl, but you never know who it could Jesus. Be. It it could be Jesus. It could be Je- yeah. So, uh, have you heard anything else about that? I mean, it was, it's a good trailer. It's definitely psyching me up for the season. Yeah, it was really good. I got I got chills. I was and I got a little bit excited. I was like, can't wait. But then I was like, no, somebody's gonna die. <laughs> That's right. You can't wait for it, but you know it, it means something. Someone someone's going away. So it's a it's a little heartbreaking. Uh, also, speaking of trailers, yeah. the trailer for AMC or not AMC Stars American Gods is, is has debuted, and that's uh, based off a Neil Gaiman property. So. That's uh, another television show having to do with uh, comic books, kind of graphic novels. You know that's going to be coming out. And I don't know. Have you ever read American Gods? Because I haven't. No, I have not. I've only heard great things, and Neil Gaiman's pretty awesome. So I might have to get on that before the show starts. Yeah, I mean, 
And then if you say it's good, then, you know, I'll take your word for it, too. Because I know you won't recommend something crappy. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't recommend something that I think is crappy, but doesn't mean that other people think it's crappy. <laughs> Oh, that's true. But I think you you and I, we kind of have a lot of similar tastes in what we like. Yeah, agreed. Uh, going on, we also have some Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. news that we were talking about earlier. Uh, I guess at New York Comic Con, they had um, John Berthenol there, and obviously he was talking about Punisher. Uh, and then he had he only was able to stay for two days at the event. Uh, he said he had to get back to production. And most people assumed that this meant that, you know, uh, the production on The Punisher at Netflix show was had already started. But some rumors or some people have interjected that it could also mean that he is going to show up in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. later this season. Because uh, Jeff Loeb, who's in charge of all Marvel television... Uh, had a panel of people show up to talk about uh, Marvel television. And Jerry Conaway was one of the people that he had up there. And when he said, it says, uh, what what Jeff Loeb said, he said, uh, you will understand why I brought all these people here later in the season and why it makes sense. So Jerry Conway uh, is also the man who created the Punisher in the comic book. So it's could be said oh. that yeah he might he might be showing up in Agents of Shield which I think would be the first time that the Netflix shows if this happens it'd be the first time the Netflix shows have a connection to both the movies and the Marvel's Agents of Shield television show so the other TV show I like it I hope they take that direction <laughs> <laughs> So do I I mean obviously well, you know, I would say I, <laughs> I would say that obviously the Punisher is not going to be able to do uh, a much of his uh, style of punishment in in uh, Agents of Shield that he would be in his Netflix show. However, after watching this premiere episode and what the Ghost Rider does to his victims, I don't know. <laughs> we might be able to see. A couple I was of, about to say. <laughs> yeah, we might be able to see a couple good Punisher uh, action scenes. Yeah. <laughs> holy shit though uh and then to round out some of our news our televised heroics news we have two other comic book properties that are in development for tv over at hulu they are developing top cows uh comic book series postal uh i've never read this have you ever read this comic book I have never heard of it until today. <laughs> well, let me just give you the synopsis of what they have on here for the property, which I thought I read and I thought it sounds pretty interesting. So I, I, I'm, I'm definitely interested in watching this show. Uh, set in the fictional town of Eden, Wyoming, a place founded by criminals for criminals, a place where despite its inhabitants, no crime is allowed. Local postman Mark Schifrin has Asperger's, and through his partic- peculiar eyes... We see a town struggling to keep its fragile peace, a town on the constant brink of chaos. When a murdered woman's body is found on Eden's main street, Mark's need to solve her crime leads him into darkness and truth about the town he's known his entire life and the hidden realms of his own psychology. An eerie small town tale in the spirit of the classics like Twins Peak, uh, Twins Peaks, or Twin Peaks, <laughs> Postal... <laughs> Postal sets out to take a 
take an unflinching look at the cost of justice and the price of redemption through a tale set in the murky soul of America's heartland. So there you go. That's uh very interesting. Uh, written by Matt Hawkins and Brian Hill and illustrated by top cows, talent winner, Isaac Goodhart. Uh, it's, it's being developed into a live action series over at Hulu, which, you know, also over at Hulu, they're making the, the Marvel's runaway uh, TV show. So that could, yeah, I saw you when you tagged me in that post. It was awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, I, 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 does that sound like a show that you'd want to watch a, a town founded by criminals for criminals? Yeah, I definitely would, you know, want to see what the hell goes on in that town. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Uh, and 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 then it's also a murder mystery, which I love murder mysteries. So that would that would be awesome to watch. And this is gonna be the Hulu one, right? Right, that would be on Hulu. Uh, the cool. other the other show that um is being developed is a show called uh, Jupiter's Legacy, which is created by Mark Miller. You know, also created Kingsman, um, Wanted. Uh, kick ass, you know, those are the things that have been adapted so far. I don't know if you've ever read Nemesis is a great book, which I heard they're still making, they're, they're talking about making it into a movie. Uh, and, uh, superior is also a great comic book. So if you ever get a chance, you should watch it. I've heard that. about Nemesis. Yeah. Nemesis is, is, is pretty awesome. It's like, it's like Batman. If Batman was a villain. Oh, that sounds awesome. <laughs> um, so in this show, Jupiter's legacy, it's, uh, it's uh, Jupiter's Legacy has been a hit for Image Comics and revolves around the children of the greatest superheroes in the world. Even the families of superheroes suffer from infighting and dysfunction. But when you have the powers of gods, uh, it can be hard to settle things in the correct way. And that infighting quickly spills out into the public eye. So uh, that's going to... that's. That's over at Image Comics, but uh, they're right now the producer Lorenzo D. Bonaventure is shopping it around at different channels, so or different cable channels. So keep an eye out for that, and we might see it on you know AMC or uh, HBO or Sci-Fi Sci-Fi Channel. That definitely fit at Sci-Fi. So we'll have to see. Let's see what yeah. happens with that. <laughs> I'm interested in that as well. I always always like the idea of of what you know happens with the children of superheroes because you know you already do a lot they already do a lot of tv shows where you know just like the children of cops are always like the bad baddest kids around you know or the 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 children of a preacher or something you know so what would the children of uh superheroes be like because you know they're not there's going to be still be a lot of teen rebellion in there super villains (laughs) (laughs) yeah and that could definitely happen too and you know, comic books definitely <laughs> definitely have a lot of stories uh, about that. Marvel, uh, when they did their a, uh, no, it's a M two universe, which was the all the children of of superheroes, which mo- mostly followed around uh, May Mayday Parker, which was Peter Parker's daughter who had spider powers. You know, you saw Isn't that how, how they did uh, the Young Avengers. <laughs> No, that wasn't the young because the Young Avengers were uh, set in the regular six one six universe, where I believe M two was set in the six one seven or six one eight or something like that. Uh, But and and I don't think a lot of the 
a lot of the young well and that's not true a lot of the young avengers were the kids of avengers because you had speed and wiccan who were the the sons the twin sons of of wanda and you had uh isaiah bradley who was the son the grandson of josiah bradley and you had uh hulkling oh well he was just a a cree and oh and then you had stature stature was the the daughter of uh scott lang ant-man so yeah there's 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 a lot of kids that become superheroes i guess boom (laughs) boom drop the mic uh all right (laughs) uh did you have any other news that you want to get to we can just get right into our episodes um yeah i think we covered it all uh, I just wanted to, you know, reiterate that next week we also not we aren't going to be covering it, but the Luke Cage TV show comes out, or I guess later this week, I should say, the thirtieth uh, on Netflix. So we will eventually cover that. We usually wait a couple months just so that people can watch all the episodes if they don't they decide not to binge them like like we do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which I am excited for. So looks good. <laughs> Uh, all right. Want to talk about first? Let's go ahead and talk about Gotham. We have uh, it's all it's set six months later after our last event that we saw them at uh, when uh, Gordon decides to walk away from all of Gotham PD because he or all of Gotham City really because he wants to uh, go and find Lee. And um, you know from Gordon going to find Lee, I feel that Lee moved on a little bit too fast. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I mean, I don't know. It's it's six months. They she was already it was already a rocky thing, uh, but it, I mean, it did seem like they were they were supposed to have a kid together, and she has already moved on. Uh, but you know, you know, in true television fashion, you, you, that might just be a big mis- misunderstanding. It might not be her new boyfriend or anything, because he just walks up to the window, sees the the guy in there, and. Uh, then he walks away. I mean, I guess they were being affectionate towards each other, but you never know what's going on. That's true. I mean, shit. Uh, he, but I mean, at that point, you're already at an awkward position, you know, like, oh shit, should I interrupt what they're doing or should I just go back and leave it the way it is? Yeah. I mean, you guess, I, I guess you kind of, kind of be, put yourself in, in Gordon's shoes and he knows his life is kind of, uh, hectic. So, I, I guess the best thing to do is just kind of leave her out of it and cut her out of his life since he he believes that she's moved on anyways. There's no point, point in fighting for her. Yep. And it was nice, you know, to actually see the sun sunlight and that show. <laughs> well, obviously that wasn't Gotham because Gotham yeah. has no sun. <laughs> exactly. It's always gloomy. Um. So... Now, six months later, we see that Gordon is in Gotham City, and uh, he's not part of the GCPD. He's a bounty hunter. He's tracking down all these uh, escapees from Indian Hill and bringing them in and cashing in on the the bounties. And it sounds like he gets about $5,000 a person. Yeah, that's not bad at all. I do it. (laughs) I know. The guy said, uh, I think Bullock said something about 
getting six of them in a week. And I was like, well, that's $30,000. That's that's what, you know, a lot of people make in a year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, he's, he's not, he's not doing too, too bad, I guess, if he's, he's staying alive and collecting the dough. Uh, yep. that definitely seems to be one of the big, uh, storylines this season is fish. Mooney is, uh, you know, running around with this pack of escape inmates from Indian Hill who all have, some type of meta power or superpower, have you? Uh, who can they say meta on this show? <laughs> uh, I I wouldn't see why not. I mean, that's that's kind of. I mean, I understand. Yeah, I don't know because that's that is a DC thing to say meta instead of super. Um, yeah. So I don't know. We'll, we'll have to. I, I don't know if they even if they if they said it yet or not. But I mean, obviously these these characters do have some type of powers. Uh, Fish Mooney, who has this uh, tactile power to influence people to do things. Um, the guy, the first person that he captured, or that we saw captured, was pretty much huge and had scales and and spikes and shit. So I don't know if he's like part dinosaur or something. I was, I was like, are they trying to give us the TV version of Killer Croc? Yeah, it's an, I, I was kind of having the feeling that they were doing like a Killer Croc thing too, but I don't know. It, did, I mean, it didn't really, it didn't, it, I don't know. <laughs> like it had it was, a Killer Croc feel, yeah, but it wasn't clear. Yeah, he, they, they don't ever call him Crocodile. They never say Wayland or anything like that, so. Uh, you don't. I don't know if that was supposed to be Killer Croc or not. Which I assume that you know they wouldn't want you to do, or Warner, or yeah, Warner Brothers or DC wouldn't want to do because of the conflict with the Killer Croc character from the Suicide Squad movie. Oh, that's right. Since it came out not too long ago, right? Um, we also saw uh, Fish Mooney use her powers again. We saw a, a gentleman who has a power to basically age people. Uh, he usually does it to the point where they die, like all the way to their age them all the way to their death. Uh, do we see other any other powered beings? Uh, man bat question mark. Oh, or that's vampire. right. Yeah, the dude was very much supposed to be like a vampire character. Uh, he couldn't. He, he got burned in the sun. He had wings that popped out, which to me made it look a lot like man bat. But you know, man bat is a scientist, so uh, it would be weird that yeah. they would they would do that to that character. But you know, this show has done that to many characters. Yeah, definitely a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we, uh, we saw the return of cat or yeah, cat woman, I guess, or cat at this point, Selena. Um, she is hanging out with fish Mooney. She is kind of her right hand girl. I don't know. Kind of her, her person that, that does things. Um, Master Wayne. Odd, you know. <laughs> What'd you say? That's, all, that's a little bit odd, you know, 14-year-old, 15-year-old girl. <laughs> yeah, just hanging out with uh, Fish, but uh, she's she's part of the underworld, I guess. She, she learns from the streets. Um, yeah. We have Bruce and Alfred coming back from uh, a vacation of some sort. Switzerland, yeah. Uh, that they took they took to, to get away from Gotham. And... Uh, their storyline has a lot to do with the Court of Owls. So we saw this tease at the end of the season last year. And uh, how do you feel about it? Like he, he goes, Bruce Wayne goes and, and has a, 
meeting with the rest of his board, I guess, board of directors for Wayne Wayne Enterprises, tells him that he knows someone is doing some something very shady and, and up to no good because Indian Hill was financed by Wayne Enterprises, so he says uh, he gives him the ultimatum that we're gonna find out who it is, or I, I'm guessing every, he. Oh, he says he's gonna go to the the press with the news that the information that he has and pretty much implode the whole company. And then, and you know, you get that asshole. It's like we don't have to listen to this. We don't have to take this shit from a kid. <laughs> <laughs> and Alfred just gets up into his face and's like, "You need to have better manners, young man." <laughs> <laughs> That was awesome to see. Uh, yeah, it was. It was good. I, I like to see proper Alfred, you know, get into people's faces. Uh, but then after... Just, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, just to answer your question, I feel like this is something that adult Bruce Wayne would do, not kid Bruce Wayne. Yeah, I mean, obviously, and we've talked about this uh, in the past, but they've very much accelerated uh, Bruce Wayne's timeline. I'm pretty sure by this point he's going to be Batman by 16, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, this would have been Bruce Wayne in college, I believe, after he's done his traveling around, or not in college, but college age Bruce Wayne, after he's done his traveling around the world to, to, to learn the skills he needs for Batman, to come up to the Wayne Enterprises people and be like, look, you're fucking with my father's company, and I'm taking this shit back, and we're getting rid of all the assholes. Yep. Um... But yeah, you know, after that board meeting, uh, someone someone that's there obviously made a phone call to the leader of the Quarter Owls, and from that point on, or right right after that, she says she's going to have Bruce Wayne taken care of, and she tells Talon to go take. I, I assume is a Talon because we know the story of the Quarter Owls. Talon is their enforcer, their assassin, and he's supposed to go kill Bruce Wayne. Yeah, I was really hoping to see a costume or some or something, you know. Yeah, not no, just a mask. No, yeah, no costume. He kind of just wears an all black, uh, like three piece suit, and wears has a a black mask on. So it's very much a simplified costume for Talon. Yeah, but they look so badass, you know, in the comics. <laughs> this is true. The the yeah, the comic version is much better, but you know maybe. Yeah, I, I get, you know, we also have to take into account this is supposed to be the earlier versions of them. So, you know, down the timeline, maybe a Talon gets even better. But in the comic book, we even see the, the past Talons are all decked out in armor and shit. Yep. Uh, how do you feel about the, the Court of Owls storyline so far and where it's going to go? I mean, this one basically was a storyline that rebooted the whole New 52 uh, took off with the Court of Owls. So, you know, I'm pretty familiar with it. I just don't know exactly what's going to happen, you know? Right. I mean, uh, where are they going to take this? And, yeah, I mean, obviously, when Batman comes up against the Court of Owls, it's much later in his career. This is going to be a young Bruce Wayne having to deal with the Court of Owls. Uh, if they were able to, if he's able to, like, disband them at this point in his age that's gonna be kind of weird yeah and i mean it just i mean i guess it's not clear enough to me of what the true intentions of you know the court of owls really are i mean he 
experiments. Okay, so experiments and what else? Basically, yeah. I mean, is the whole idea that they were behind Indian Hill and Hugo Strange getting people to have superpowers is because they want to have superpowers, or they want to be able to have the city in some type of turmoil or under siege, so that they have more control over what happens? <laughs> we'll have to see what their in game was supposed to be. I hope so. Uh, we also have to take into account that we saw more of a long-haired Bruce Wayne uh, and what he's supposed to be or who he's supposed to be. He obviously doesn't know who Bruce Wayne is, but he knows that this guy, this guy has his, has the same face as him. Yeah, and he's all, Bruce Wayne, who is he? Why? <laughs> Didn't he say, why did you say that name? Yeah. <laughs> Which I don't think you're allowed <laughs> to have that line, line of dialogue in any... Uh, DC property ever again because of Batman v Superman. <laughs> Why did you say that name? <laughs> well, kid Bruce Wayne said it, or clone, or <laughs> clone, whatever the hell he is. Twin brother. <laughs> we'll have to find out what that's supposed to be. Uh, I mean, we did see Clayface last season, kind yeah. of. So I, I don't know. Maybe this is a younger. This is kid Kate Clayface. <laughs> Why would Clayface pose as Bruce? I'm saying it's a kid, so he doesn't know. Oh, okay. He just has his powers, and he uh, he he just saw a face while he was while Bruce was being held in Indian Hill or inside of uh, Arkham Asylum, and he's like, "Yeah, that's a good face. Let me use that one." And then he was in the bus accident. Maybe he lost some of his memory. Doesn't know he can change. <laughs> There's a lot of what ifs. <laughs> I, I noticed. <laughs> Um, he, he, he met up with Ivy, the young Ivy, and, uh, he's been kind of basically stalking Catgirl or Selena and, uh, Ivy looks at Bruce or looks at the clone and, and thinks, thinks it's Bruce. So she's like, why, uh, what do you mean? What are you talking about? I don't understand what you're saying, Bruce, or, you know, Bruce Wayne or whatever. And that's when he freaks out and is like. Uh, why did you say that name? Why did you say that name? Who is that? Um, so there, there, there's more of that happening. Now, talking of Ivy, obviously we uh, they there's been a lot of uh, promos and articles coming out before the start of the season that we were going to see adult poison Ivy. So I had originally thought that we were going to just see uh, another actor come in and play a different character and it was going to be like someone related to the ivy that we already seen in the show it was going to be the proper uh poison ivy but from what we've found out now uh since there's a character in fish mooney's gang that can uh age people she got (laughs) grabbed by this guy and as he was aging her up uh, supposedly to death because she saw what fish mooney was up to she struggles, gets away, and falls into a, a water pipe. So a sewer, a sewer pipe. Yeah. So uh, I'm, you know, when she emerges from this sewer, I'm assuming we're gonna get adult poison ivy. Yeah. So what if this guy, you know, ages Selena and ages Bruce as well? Oh, uh, I would feel really bad for the actor and actress that plays both those characters because <laughs> that means they're gonna be gone. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, he would have to go in around. He'd have to go around and age everybody because then Gordon needs to be aged to the proper place, and 
because uh, otherwise you'd have Batman that's the same age as Gordon. And now what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's true. I didn't think of that. <laughs> Uh, we when Talon comes after Bruce Wayne, uh, he he first meets up with with Alfred, and Alfred gives him a good run for his money at first with fighting. Uh, they do a little bit of knife fighting, and it was pretty awesome. But then Alfred eventually loses in the end, which to me I think it was it was unfortunate. They shouldn't have gave him a a knife to fight with. They he should have like pulled a. Uh, some type of saber off the wall or, you know, it's a sword of some sort and you would have saw him do some proper fencing. I think that would have been cool. Uh, but yeah, he, he ends up on the ground. Is he stabbed or knocked out? I don't remember. I think he's just knocked out. I don't think he stabbed them. Okay. And did Talon kidnap Bruce Wayne? Or did he... Yeah, he yeah. He, he puts a chloroform and it's just like, shh, 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 only dreams now. <laughs> Go to sleep, sleep. <laughs> it just uh, takes him, and that's how that episode ends with him being kidnapped. Uh, I think the only thing that we yeah. didn't talk about was uh, Penguin Butch, uh, Barbara, and what is the tigerist lady's name? Um, let's just go with it's some type of cat oh, sh- name or something like it's like it's not Felicia, but it's something. Like that, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Barbara and her—they're a couple still, and they're—they're they're running a bar. And uh, Penguin and Butch, uh, you know, Butch is Penguin's henchman again, and he apparently still has feelings for Tigress. And yeah. Uh, he 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 is he definitely shows it whenever they meet, and he can't keep it to himself. And uh, I guess he goes and hires some thugs to come and rough her up, rough up Barbara to get them to run back to Penguin's group so that they uh, fall underneath Penguin's umbrella, so that uh-huh, umbrella, and so that uh, uh, they they have to have more interactions with uh, Butch so that he can still be around her, but. It doesn't quite work out so well for those thugs because Barbara's crazy and uh, Tigress is an assassin in herself. So <laughs> she straight up just yeah, slits just those guys' throats. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you think of that scene? That was pretty badass. And I was like, oh, God, you're doing the crazy Harley Quinn possible thingy here. You know, I don't know. It seems more. She seems more. Uh, Barbara seems more Joker than Harley Quinn. Yeah, true. <laughs> she starts laughing and just beats the shit out of the dude. Yeah, no kidding. With the gun, <laughs> straight up pistol whips him a bunch of times. <laughs> uh, Has a broken ass nose. <laughs> uh, and then yeah, and then as they're having this discussion with the penguin and Butch about what's going on, and Barbara figures it all out. Uh, penguin then consults Butch and be like, is this true? Is all this happening? And as when Butch kind of like breaks down and says, yeah, he turns around, and just kills that, the, the thug that was hired. And I was just like, Oh, well that, that happened. <laughs> so, uh, he then puts up that million dollar bounty on fish Mooney because he's worried. That's who the penguins worried about. He's just worried about uh fish Mooney and what's that mean, uh, for him because he knows that she's going to want revenge for what he did to her. 
so no one has been or none of the GCPD is is putting any effort into catching Fish Mooney because they all believe her to be dead uh, or gone. So he puts up the million dollar bounty so that Gordon would then have a reason to um, get involved because that's who he is now. He only does it for the money. And with a million dollars, oh, I forgot that we introduced Valerie Vale uh, as a news reporter. I don't know. Vicky Vale's mom? I don't know. I don't know if she's going to end up having some type of uh, connection to Vicky Vale. I mean, obviously, with being a reporter and being the last name of Vale, she should. Uh, It might be a sister thing. It might be be a mom thing. You're right. Uh, We'll have to see. Yeah, I was like, really? Why? But okay. <laughs> I think I did think it was very, uh, you know, it's very cool casting of Jamie Chung. You know, uh, she's done yeah. a lot of cool things. So uh, her being on the show is, is uh, interesting. I wonder if they're going to end up if they've if they're giving up on the whole Leslie and Gordon thing, and they're going to make uh, Val- Valerie Vale and Gordon a, a couple now. Which uh, could happen. Yeah, could see that happening. Yeah, uh, she gets some information that she passes along to Gordon, who Gordon then gets some more information from Bullock because he knows where Bullock, the GCPD, knows where Peabody, uh, Hugo Strain's assistant, is being held uh, secretly. So he goes there, basically using Peabody as as bait because he knows that whoever gave the information to Vale is probably following her and Vale is following him. And, and thus the whole thing is just a big giant game of telephone, but uh, they do show up and that's when <coughs> Gordon has to fight uh, the man bat. And also, uh, Oh, th- there's a speedster. That's the other, there's another power. There's a, a girl, a girl in a white. Oh, that's right. Yeah. She kind of dresses all in white costume and she can travel at super speeds. Uh, then there's also a, a kind of dominatrix lady. She's wearing all black. I don't know if she had any powers or not, but uh, she, the three of them kind of get the drop on Gordon and get Peabody out of the, the apartment, uh, which then she's taken to uh, Fish Mooney, who is, Fish Mooney believes that she'll be able to help heal her, basically, because every time Fish uses her power, it makes her weaker. And then it's like, nah, Hugo's the only one that can do that. And then they kill her. And then they kill her, you know. That's the one thing you don't want to tell the people that have kept you, that you can't help them at all. Because <laughs> they have no reason to keep you alive at that point. Well, I don't, I think it makes, I mean, you know, she just said, tell me, you know, can you do it or not? And she's like, nah, nah. So, I don't know. I mean, her power made her say, I can't do it. Oh, Hugo's the only one. I guess that's true. Yeah, her power her power did have an effect on her. Uh yeah. So that's all that happened in Gotham, first episode of third season. Uh how you were vocal about this this season being the one that keeps you interested. How how is it looking after the first episode? Keep it coming. I like what I see. <laughs> all right, like what we see so far. Uh I like it. Uh, I you know, I'm still I'm still intrigued, so uh, we'll have to see where we go from there. Uh, over to Agents of Shield, like we were saying, Agents of Shield. We uh, the whole season, or at least this first half of the season, is called Agents of Shield Ghost, uh, or Ghost Rider. I'm sorry, the first episode was called The Ghost. So, 
with that being told, we we are jumped ahead in, in the season or in the timeline, and we have uh, Daisy uh, on the run from Shield. The whole Shield party is or team has been split up into different sections by the new director. Um, and uh, Coulson is still out there trying to find Daisy to bring her in, even though she's obviously working outside of the law at this point. Uh, there have been reports of her doing things to people that, you know, don't paint her in the greatest of light. And now with uh, her in, intervening in this robbery that happened, that she has her first meetup kind of with the Ghost Rider, she is being... Uh, painted as the person that killed those men brutally, <laughs> ripping their insides out and tearing their heads and off. And blood splatter everywhere. Right? <laughs> it was oh, that was that was intense. Uh, we got to see. So the really, they're doing this for a cable show? <laughs> yeah, uh, and on a cable show on ABC, nonetheless, which is owned by Disney. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what did you think of the first look of the Hell Charger? I liked it. <laughs> uh, it I, looked awesome. I, I, you li- know. I liked it when he was sitting there, like, revving his engine and then running towards them. I wish <laughs> that's when they would have just had those tires catch on fire and stuff. But they waited until the the bad guys shot a RPG at him and it blew up into the air. And then all of a sudden the tires catch on fire and, and then he comes roaring through them. I was like, well, okay, that part just seemed a little cheesy to me, but it did look cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to miss the bike, uh, the motorcycle, but I, I dig the Charger. No, yeah, definitely dig the, dig the Charger. And, and I know we're skipping ahead right now, but uh, our ghostwriter is Robbie Reyes, who obviously, or he even says something about not finishing high school at the end uh, when he's talking to his little brother, who's in a wheelchair, and which is lo Chris and behold, from the Dead. <laughs> right? I was, like, I was like, wait a second, that kid in that car looks very familiar. Wait, what? It's Chris. What is he doing here? I couldn't believe that the actor is is on both shows now. That's uh, that's great for him. Yeah, I was just like, I had the same thought. I was like, he looks awfully familiar. <laughs> I was like, no way. Uh, I mean, could he? Is he going to be on the show uh, as a regular? <laughs> is he? Is it more kind of like a couple episodes? Like, uh, what was it, Emily? Kinney on being on uh, on Arrow as uh, Queen Bee. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and that you know that that's a discussion for later. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so yeah, that that was just that's skipping ahead. But uh, after Daisy sees what happens with these guys, these criminals, she is kind of on the rampage to find out who this. Uh, charger guy is this ghost rider or this character the character is and that's when she's uh just scouring la talking to people at first she uh meets up with a dude that's kind of doing a mural uh dedicated to ghost rider on the side of, on, on a wall somewhere and he's like yeah you know this guy comes through and he kills bad people and and uh he drives around in this charger and blah 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 uh, and then she starts looking for car parts, or at least trying to track down the car, because everybody has something that they're connected to, uh, which is what she's told to by 
uh, the the speedster chick on that by show by one right? cholo. By oh, but was it just the just the dude that said that? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So she starts going to different, I guess, like car shows and mechanic shops and stuff like that. Until eventually, she gets to the place where Robbie Reyes works, and uh, he. I don't know. It's like he didn't want to to have to kidnap her, but now that she's asking questions, you know, the other side of him uh, makes him do it. So she go. He says, "Well, you can go check in the office," and she goes to look at. She's supposed to go look at pictures, but then uh, he, he they, the two of them get into a fight, and he does that thing where he right before he transforms or has to do what he has to do, he spins his keys in his hand. What do you think of that? You, what? He spins his keys in his hand, like he, he's got his keys to his car, and he just kind of spins them around or like twirls them in his hand and makes that noise. It's probably just a little nod to like the whole flaming whip thing or chain, flaming chain. Oh, okay. I mean, because yeah, earlier when you saw him interrogating one of those bad guys, he's he's got it in his hand and he uses it kind of like a to help help it reinforce his punch. Uh, I don't know if he ends up putting the keys between his fingers so that, you know, it tears up their face a little bit more or not. But uh, he definitely has a thing with his keys. He definitely has a thing with his car. That's for sure. So, uh, yeah, after that, he he kind of he does his ghostwriter thing and drives the car right into the dude that's chained against the wall. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's like we like we were saying earlier. You know, the Punisher could exist on this TV show because there's some pretty brutal deaths in this first episode. Yeah, <laughs> he definitely Punisher needs to be there, help him out with all the murders. Um, when uh the Ghost Rider and when the actual uh you know spirit of vengeance comes out of Robbie Reyes. One, I have to say the the special effects for the flaming skull head was pretty off, pretty awesome, a lot better than what I was expecting for a TV show. But uh, when she he finally comes, and I'm, I'm guessing he looks into Daisy because he because Daisy's pin, almost pinned underneath this shelf that he threw down on her, and she's using her powers to to keep it from crushing her. He kind of has the drop on her. He could take her out. Uh, but he doesn't. He walks away. Are, are we thinking that the spirit of vengeance kind of looked into her soul and saw that she wasn't a bad person? I think so. I mean, especially since you know she was asking for it, saying like, "Yeah, I am a bad guy. Do it. Just send me. Do it now." Uh, that's true. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, you're right. You know, she is kind of pleading for her death. So maybe at that point, <laughs> either she the the spirit of vengeance is like, uh, "You're you're not a bad enough person for me to kill," or Maybe your punishment of having to live with your guilt is worse than actually just killing you. Oh, that's a really dark way, but that's a really good way of putting it too. <laughs> um, so on the on the other or later on, we do we that's when we see uh, him helping out his little brother get out of the car, and he's pushing him around in the wheelchair. But then we see. Uh, Daisy is actually kind of spying on him from across the road. Uh, so I'm guessing she's now getting her intel on him. Uh, one thing I want to say about this episode is there's a lot of weird, like, filming. The filming of this episode is very strange. Like, it's different than the rest of the, the rest of the seasons. Like, uh, there's the, spark, the part where, uh, 
uh, I want to say May and uh, those like her trainees, I guess, are sparring. They're doing mm-hmm. a lot of like camera movement around them, and then there's a lot of scenes where the people are talking on uh, at, at HQ, and it's like camera shots from below and behind things that are. It's, it's almost like you're supposed to be this third person that's spying on on the people that are talking instead of actually just a TV show where you're watching the show. I don't know if you got that feeling or if it's just me. They might just be you, but do you think it, it might work for the season to change up the formula? Well, I don't know. I, I, I definitely think that they're trying to, to do some different things to make the show just a, the, the dynamic of the show a little different. Uh, what I don't know. I haven't really looked at the ratings, so I don't know if the show is doing well or not, and they feel they need to uh, uh, change it up some. Or if this is supposed to be an implication of some type of uh, story plot line, like later on you're going to find out there's, you know, an invisible woman hanging around. Or, you know, there's uh, some type of uh, shrinking Ant-Man kind of guy, you know, kind of thing going yeah. on. It, it's, to me, the camera work just seemed real different and uh, than what we were used to for the show. Okay. Um I do want to add that it seems like uh, Captain America 3 had a lot of influence, you know, obviously on the team as well in the show. True. We did we did hear the Sokovia Accords uh, mentioned a lot of times in the show. Yeah. And then how everybody was just broken up to different sectors. They didn't even seem like they were friends anymore, you know? No, they're definitely not a team. Uh, at this point and 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 friendships are very strained um uh, it looks like fritz and simmons are still working together they're in the lab uh mac and colson are working together uh, in the field uh may is in charge of like basically the elite swat team that comes in to, to do cleanup or to uh take down intense situations uh I think that's everybody. Obviously, Bobby and Hunter are still gone into the show that will never happen. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, uh, this mysterious director has, who has yet to be to be uh, shown. We already know because we we talked we we had the article come out of who's supposed to be playing the director, but we don't know what his role if he's a character that exists in the in the Marvel universe yet. So, uh Jason O'Mara is the one that's playing the director, but we haven't he hasn't been shown yet. So, uh I wonder if they're doing this on purpose cuz they want we were uh they're going to be it's going to be a reveal of who if he's going to be playing a character that's known uh or if it's just kind of more building suspension cuz they literally just keep calling him the director. And apparently uh Simmons has has a daily or weekly uh, meeting with him where she has to be hooked up to a lie detector while talking to him and giving him information. Yeah, that was, that was insane, you know? And she's like, um, you know, you're going to either make me look incompetent or, you know, I got to kiss ass to the, to director or whatever. Right. What was it that Gemma said? Uh, To May. So, Yeah. She said, uh, I mean, because May had given her some uh, f- uh, false information, and uh, but, but was, was was enough to for her to figure it out on her own. So when she came back to him and said, you gave Coulson the information that, that uh, Daisy was 
uh, in L.A., uh, you knew this this was going to happen. And she's like, yep. And she's like, well, you know I have to tell the director now because I'm hooked up to a lie detector when I talk to him. And she's like, yep. She said, you're going to make me look bad. Yep. <laughs> like, May is a, a person yeah. of very few words, and she knows exactly what her actions indicate. So when, uh, you know, she even go. she even brings up to the point that <laughs> it's very interesting that you know the whole team has been split up it's it's the, everybody is is not together and you know they're not flying around on the the Zephyr 1 together anymore who knows maybe the director is just an evil dude and is trying to break shield down from the inside well i mean that's all what the other seasons were about cuz I, I so i hope they don't do that again cuz that would just you know do a rehash of the whole hydra being part of shield uh, I, I want. I, I think it would just be good to have him be a, a good guy that he just thinks he knows best for what's going on. It's true too. Okay. Um, like where your head's at. <laughs> <laughs> we have. Uh, so when Coulson is trying to track down where Daisy is, he finds the people that uh, stole the box from the freighter that was originally being tracked down by Daisy and Ghost Rider. So he trying to basically trying to set up a sting to capture uh these uh Chinese mob guys. Uh they open up the the container and obviously some type of entity comes out of it. Almost like I when they were about to open it up it made me think of uh uh Raiders of the Lost Ark and you know this could be the 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 Ark of the Covenant come out and people's faces were going to start to melt, but that's not exactly <laughs> what happened. You know, they, uh, the people, the, the guys around it started seeing things and made it to the point where they saw like demons in the faces of, of each other. So they started fighting each other. And this is why the two guys that were in the back of the truck with the box opened it up at one point and apparently started killing each other. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, and I can see where the whole strange elements, you know, are taking place now. That was a big one, obviously. Yes, very supernatural going on. I mean, the the, the box looked very technical, but I'm guessing it was it was a box just to that was created so that they could contain whatever the supernatural being could be. Uh, to me, what I mean, do you have any indication of what this if this could be have some kind of counterpart in the Marvel? Uh, comic books? I I honestly don't know. Um, I, I mean, I'm thinking scroll, but I know that's wrong. <laughs> I mean, when the, at one point when the the entity kind of is is whispering in the ear of somebody, you you see a female face. So you know, right? I, I have no, I like like you. I have no idea who it could possibly be, but yeah, uh, it, it could be anybody. Um, I think I don't know I don't know if you've ever uh heard of the UFOs which is uh they're like the the villain versions of the Fantastic 4 No but I think their invisible woman kind of turns into vapor and it would kind of look like that but I don't know how she would make it so that they would want to attack each other and have hallucinations Right 
So pretty I'm, badass, uh, pretty good effects on the hallucinations, by the way. Yeah. So that was another thing was the the like the whole face turning pale or gray, and then the eyes turning black and like looking like they're kind of decrepit and Walking Dead kind of looking things. Um, is the big reveal is that later on, uh, since May's team had to come in and and do the the wet work and kill everybody, or I guess they used I don't know if they used the icers or not. But they had to go in there and take everybody out. They thought they they had they had masks on, but I guess the whatever was in there contaminated them because May talking to Coulson uh, started to see that weird demon face thing. And uh, though she because she is more controlled than most people, she didn't start freaking out. She does know something is bad. Yeah, and then um, you could see the ghost thing walk by her in one of the shots. You know what? I didn't catch that. I might have to go back and, and rewatch that part. I didn't. I didn't see that. So that's good catch on your part. Yeah, she looked over her shoulder and then kind of like brushed it off. Oh, interesting. So I mean, obviously she needs to tell somebody, but in true television form, she probably will keep it to herself because <laughs> she doesn't want people to know until it's too late. Yep. <laughs> it's like the people. Will, get... and the... <laughs> what were you gonna say? I was gonna say they covered that. They're like, "May, you're holding a lot of secrets. What do you need to tell us?" <laughs> I was going to say, like, in true, like, uh, you know, zombie fashion, the one person that's part of the team that gets bit and doesn't tell anybody until it's too late and all of a sudden, surprise attack. <laughs> yeah. Uh, too. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think the last part of it is that uh, we see Fitz is still hanging out with uh, that cybernetic scientist guy. Professor. Professor. Yeah. I don't remember his name. But yeah, he uh, he was helping out. Um, what was the bad guy's name last up, last season? Strand? No, not Strand. <laughs> uh, I forget. But he's played by Brett Dalton, who's been in the season from <laughs> Ward. Ward. That was the guy's name. Oh yeah, that's for. <laughs> so yep. he uh, he was helping out Ward to to get the. Cree technology to work or whatever. Anyways, he uh, has created himself a new AI? Or a body yeah, for the uh, AI? Um, she was an AI in the computer, and then he built a body for her. And and they even touched on the fact that it's not Ultron, because it, it doesn't have full awareness or whatever, but it he is trying to get close to where he can get without being in trouble. <laughs> and the whole idea is that it's supposed to, you know, revolutionize uh, the industry and, you know, it's supposed to help people. That's what he's creating it for, uh, for whatever reason. And, and Fitz, you know, kind of just falls in line. He's like, oh, yeah, this could be very helpful to people and this is a good thing, but I can never tell Gemma because she has to go through the lie detector test all the time. And if the director knew about it, you would die. <laughs> He'd want to see it first and then you'd die. <laughs> uh, anything else that we needed to touch on for this episode? What, uh, what are you uh, excited for other than Ghost Rider? Um, now that you mentioned Punisher earlier this episode, I hope that happens. <sighs> Could you imagine the Ghost Rider and the Punisher like, facing off i mean that'd be a lot of punishment that or a lot of uh spirit of vengeance that the ghostwriter <laughs> would have to inflict on the punisher 
Yeah, um, well, okay, now that you put it that way, it might blow their whole VFX, uh, you know, budget <laughs> there. Uh, and you know what we haven't seen yet is the Pendant's Tear. You know, I want to know if that's going to come into effect with this Ghost Rider. I, I, I literally, this is the third Ghost Rider in the Marvel Universe, so uh, I would have to find out if he has any different powers or if uh, uh, he, he does things differently than Danny Ketch or Johnny Blaze. Johnny Blaze. I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah, we shall research it. I have Wikipedia heard later. I have heard that that the the demon that's inside of Robbie Reyes is different than the demon that's inside of the other two because the one and the other two are the same demon, but this one is supposed to be different. Oh, okay. So, yeah, we'll have to research that. So, just I mean, is uh, is he going to be? You know, um, the villain for the season or anti-hero? What do you think? I think he's going to be the anti-hero. I think uh, between him and, and Daisy, Daisy will probably end up getting him to maybe not kill so much. Like, kind of more like do the do the right thing be, uh, and be a anti-hero type of thing. But, you know, there's still going to be the, the time when killing needs to, be, needs to happen and he, he'll be okay with doing it. Yeah. I can see that. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I, I guess uh, on to our last show of Fear the Walking Dead. And I think uh, we're coming close to this to the end of the season, right? Yeah, I think we have uh, one or two more weeks and that's it. Yeah, and then we start the regular Walking Dead. Yeah, pretty short. Oh, it's pretty coming up pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. So, um where does where does this episode start off? With uh, with the Mexican family leaving um, the colonia. That's right. So, how do you feel about that? What what did you, what did you think when you saw them leaving? First thing, zombie camouflage. Come on, <laughs> we've seen that so much this season, but I know why they're doing it. Um, and basically, I was just like, "Really, you guys are escaping? Why?" But then it get you know it goes more into details why. Yeah, I mean that's uh, exactly how I felt at first too. I was like, well, "Why would you want to leave there? It seems like you're very, you're very protected and stuff." But I guess since the the guy is uh, um, part of the runs to the market to get water, he knows that what. Um, uh, Nick and Alejandro are doing is probably going to backfire on them. And from the sound, from what we see in the the very next episode or very next uh, scene, when he uh, is captured by the, the, I don't know what they're called. Are they called gangsters? Are they called cartel? Are they cartel at this point? I don't know. The bad guys uh, that he, they want to know where the Colonia is. And, uh, they want to invade so that they can get the hold of the drugs without having to give up give up any more water, which is a smart move on the you know the gang's part too. I have to say this though, the town doesn't seem like it's all that big. Is it really that hard to find the the colonia, like the community? I, I yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Wouldn't you just see something that's gated off or shut off from the rest of society? 
and all the other buildings. I mean, I assume that the people are cooking and stuff, so there's going to be smoke and fire. Or, I don't know. It To me, it seemed very weird that they couldn't find this place on their own. And obviously, where they capture the dude and his wife and his kid... They're not that far away because they just got out of the... They just got through the, the, the zombies, so they can't be that far. That's true, but I mean, for plot purposes, you know, and built suspense, they don't know where it's at. <laughs> uh, and then uh, we... we uh, At the very end of the episode, uh, jumping ahead like we usually do, uh, when uh, Nick is sitting on... Or standing on top of his roof, he sees them... Like with their binoculars, like looking at the colonia, so they know where it's at now. And obviously, they weren't that far away. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I mean the whole thing, um, the whole thing that uh, Nick was trying to overcome this episode was just trying to tell the pharmacist, like, "Yo, we need to do this delivery. I don't care what you said; it's going to backfire. We're you're putting us in danger if we don't do the delivery." Right, yeah, they, 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 the Alejandro calls off the the delivery because of the fact that the other guy goes missing, and when he goes missing, he goes in. Alejandro goes into this whole, almost like like shutdown uh, of his brain because he 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 feels like he's losing his community, the community that he built. So you know, it's all. I think we're seeing shades of the governor here. You know, as soon as you see he sees dissension in the in the ranks, he can't handle that, and thus it's time to start fucking throwing down the iron fist. And that's where it's like nobody's allowed to leave until I say so. Right. So then uh, Nick goes and talks to the partner of the guy who left, uh, saying, "Look, me and you can go make this run because we need to, or else one, we're not going to have any water." <laughs> And then we're gonna get invaded. So, yeah, let's go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go ahead. So something that um, Alejandro should have done, he was like, "All right, look for any weaknesses, any anywhere that you know they could escape from, and then seal that shit up so it doesn't happen again." <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, I mean, how how effective do you think this the, their wall of walkers is going to be against an invading force and? Uh, the barricades that they have up right now. Okay, well, what we saw from the gang from the first time they they ran into Nick, they're not that bright, so they have a good chance of survival. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, he they the guy starts to reload without backing away and gets eaten by zombies. So, yeah, not the smartest. Only guy that makes it alive was the guy that was hiding in the truck, <laughs> and he almost didn't make it out in time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, the, the, with what's going on in the Colonia, and uh, obviously a little bit more tension is happening between Nick and uh, Lucia at this point, because they were obviously having a you know a very good relationship that with mutual benefits it looked like. Uh, but chicka wow wow, he wants to go against Alejandro. Uh, so that the people can have some water, but she is very loyal to him and is like, you know, she, he saved my life. He gave us a place to live. You need to just do what he says. How do you how do you see this playing out? Obviously, Nick is going to rebel, and then you know, whatever happens next, it's gonna. I feel like it's gonna. All the blame is going to go to Nick. 
so yeah, uh, I I can definitely see that. Do you do you see him if there's a community after uh, what happens with this gang? Do you see them kicking him out? Oh yeah, definitely. Do you see Lucia going with him? She's gonna be torn. She's probably gonna have to stay back. Interesting. And maybe uh, since like she brought him into the community, they might end up kicking her out too. Oh, that would suck for <laughs> both of them. <laughs> uh, okay, so then we also the beginning of the episode, uh, they're dealing with uh, the fact that Strand was st- stabbed over at the Rosarita Hotel. Crazy ass mother-in-law, or mother, <laughs> whatever she was. Oh yeah, yeah, mother-in-law. Because I, I mean, technically they were married, so yeah, she would have been the mother-in-law. Uh, yeah, she, with the, that's what happened at the end of last week's episode. So she just came up. Was that the end of the last week's episode? Or this beginning of this week's episode. Uh, that happened at the beginning. She knocks on the door, and then Strand's like, "Oh, hey, what's up? You because of you?" And then just stabs him. Oh, okay, fair enough. So yeah, she she stabs him, and uh, I guess one of the guys in the wedding party was uh, attending nursing school at some point. So he's the best medically trained to help him out, and he says uh, you need to go get uh, these supplies from wherever. And uh, Helena tells him that tells uh, Madison that there's one place that they can go, but it's a little bit of a drive, and that one place ends up being some place that we know quite well so far. You know, um, when she said it's going to be a drive, I actually thought she was talking about La Colonia. That's what I thought, too. Because, I mean, obviously we know there's a pharmacy there. And, uh, you know, maybe she knew something about that place and and was going to get there. But, uh, no, it ended up being the market. Uh, She knew that she can go get supplies there. And and, uh, that whatever, uh, more than likely whatever she needed could be gotten there. And what they bring them is fish fish and ice and the funny thing is because i guess she we know that her nephew works with her at the hotel uh but yep she has another nephew who's the brother of that nephew that is part of this gang and you know hooked on drugs so she that's her connection to there and she gets she goes in she said he says the fish is good but the ice is better and we're gonna want more so can you do more (laughs) yeah which I okay, so I I know I haven't gone down to Mexico all that much, but you know the one thing you know you're not supposed to do is drink the water if you're not acclimated to the the water down there. And is that not what the ice is made of from there? Filtration systems, I don't know. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, I mean, I, I I you see them drinking bottles of water over and over, so it's that's not what they're drinking. But yeah, I would think the ice was made from the the tap water there, but uh, maybe it is filtered out enough that it's it's okay to drink. So yeah, uh, the fact that the they got the generator working over at the hotel, uh, which the ice maker was on the generator, and they can make ice now. And everybody's that was the beginning of the episode. Everybody's kind of having a good time. You got you have. Alicia learning how to surf and you got people fishing off the pier, which you saw the guy fishing off the pier and I was, he's like, Oh, I got one. It's a big one. And I was like, what if you're like pulling on a zombie right now? Cause that's where that's you guys, what I thought. <laughs> that's where you guys led all the zombies to. 
But yeah, uh, apparently they were pulling fish up, and and you know that's something for them to eat, and uh, that's good for them. But that's when uh, everything was going a little too peachy keen, and and Strand gets stabbed. Um, Madison then comes down with her whole ultimatum: is that we can't hurt each other. We're not allowed. You know that's not what's going to happen in this community. So anybody that that does harm to another another person here. You're getting banished, and I—I uh, I don't know. They haven't really decided on what they're going to do with the mother-in-law yet. I don't think they just—they just said that they're going to keep her locked. Then she's not allowed to leave the room. That's right. They yeah they they locked her up in a room right. So yeah, uh, yeah. We'll have to see what ends up happening with that. And I have something to say about Madison's little speech right there uh, when we come up a little bit later. Uh, Madison and I was gonna say that it's a rictatorship. <laughs> uh, you, you know, you got you get little shades of Rick in there, you know, in <laughs> in Madison. Maybe that's their whole southern upbringing. But uh, what we have is uh, Elena and and Madison making it to that market. They they give them the fish. They're gonna get their supplies, and Madison just being Madison. Here's someone yelling at someone else in Spanish, and she asks Elena to translate for her. <laughs> and yeah, all they say is uh, they're 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 interrogating the guys that the the guy and his wife that left the La Colonia earlier in the episode, and they're asking uh, where's the the gringo with the with the stringy hair or something like that, right? Where's the where's the Colonia? They're asking him that, and and because of the gringo with the stringy hair. Madison just believes that it's his, it's her son that they're talking about. So she freaks out, goes to where it's happening. Even though there's armed guards everywhere in this market, she's able to make it up the stairs into the interrogation room and then interrupt the interrogation that's going on <laughs> to the point that the, the gang member is getting upset with her. And she's still asking questions. She's like, ask them, ask them where he's at. He's my son. Ask them. And she's like, I'm like, well, she's, they're not telling the guy that has her their daughter captured and, and put in a room somewhere. What makes you think that they're going to tell you? I know. And then he's like, get her out of here. I'm going to kill you all next time we come here. <laughs> I mean, she literally almost got herself, Elena, and then, you know, indirectly Strand killed because she's a moron. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and uh, uh, at this point, not one Alicia, of the best parts. <laughs> no, not not best on her her uh, her character wise. Um, but as this is happening, Alicia and Strand are having ta- a talk because you know Strand is obviously dying in this ho- hotel bed, and uh, she they're having kind of a heart to heart, which apparently is Strand's new uh, you know role in life to have the heart and heart talk, heart to heart talk with. Whoever's having turmoil that episode. <laughs> so uh, Alicia's telling her, that, telling him that uh, you know her and her mom have never have, haven't been close in a very long time because after her dad got sick is when Nick started, or after her dad died, Nick. Well, and I, I guess Nick. No, her dad got depression. That's what it was, and then Nick started doing drugs, and you know her mom was pulled in a bunch of different directions. So it was, there wasn't any time left for her and she kind of had to grow up faster than uh, a normal kid. So 
now she she's kind of happy because she has her mom to herself. Now uh, they're you know this is just the two of them, and they can be together, they can be uh, mother and daughter. And but she she still feels like she does she can't be she's not seen by her mom like her mom doesn't see her. And Strand tells her that you know well make yourself seen make her see you. Uh, and that's when we get. Uh, Madison comes back to the hotel and even after they made the decision not to run the generator at night because then it would light up the place and attract everybody uh, as well as zombies um, Madison goes and turns on the generator which then turns on all the lights and the big sign that says Rosarita Beach Hotel and it was like what the hell are you doing <laughs> she's like no you don't understand He's out there. Nick is out there. I know it. And he needs to know that we're here for him. She's like, no, you're going to get us all killed. You need to turn this shit off. And, you know, you have to agree with her. You're like, yes, she probably doesn't want her brother to be okay. Uh, even though she t- says earlier in the episode when she's talking to, to uh, the other guy uh, that, you know, her brother hasn't been okay for a very long time. Uh, but she doesn't want to put the risk of everybody else there, especially, and especially herself. She even says, you know, I'm your kid too. You have to take care of me as well. You know, I'm not, yeah. I'm not uh, someone you just throw away for Nick. Yeah. She's like, I decided to stay by the way. He decided to leave. That's, oh, that's also very true. I mean, you have to take into account that that's what, you know, that's what, how the, it all played out. And, uh, and Nick, you know, is, is Nick. He doesn't feel that he needs his mom anymore. And yet his mom thinks that, you know, he, she always has to take care of him because he's, uh, he's special. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but she does get him, get her talk Madison down to turning the sign off. But that, uh, I don't know, two, three minutes of the sign being on was enough to start attracting people. And one person in particular. Yeah. Who was and it? this is actually what I'm really excited to talk about. Um, we just see Travis by himself. And I just got a question, like, how he has beard that he didn't have? Well, see, I think that's interesting because uh, in the the shot that we see, we obviously see that he's not with Chris. And you're right. He does have a beard. So what I'm thinking is that when we see the storyline play out with uh, Chris, that all happened before. Like, I think there's going to be a little bit of a time jump. Uh, oh, okay. And I think that because obvi- obviously where he is at with with Chris is nowhere near a town, let alone a town big enough that has a, a big resort hotel like that. So I think we'll see what plays out with Chris. And from that point on, he's on, he, uh, Travis is on his own and he's making his way towards, uh, the hotel. So now we can, t- uh, loop back to agents of shield. Maybe, uh, Travis decided to leave him with the frat boys and he's not going to be used for, you know, a season or two. So he has an open schedule and can do agents of shield. Yeah. I mean, he could definitely do agents of shield, especially since, you know, uh, the episodes of Fear of the Walking Dead are are low and very far in between. Because uh, what do we have? Like eight episodes of this this part of the season, and then sounds about right. And then they won't come back until uh, after the Walking Dead is done for the se- for their season. 
Yeah, because this um, season two started around March, and that's right around when uh, Walking Dead ended. I think it ended in February. Yeah, so yeah, we won't. They won't be back until then. That leaves a large gap, and yeah, you know when the way that I, the way I assume actors do their contracts now is that if I'm not a if I'm not a regular on the show, I I'm free to go and be, be on other shows. Yeah. But uh, it's just really interesting to see, you know, what really is going to happen. Obviously, uh, she's going to uh, Madison is going to be relieved that Travis is there. Um, I just want to know what the hell happened after, you know, he shot that farmer guy. Well, I think, you know, I think it's good. And I might be a little bit more uh, grim about the whole thing. But the way that his with the whole beard and the, the way his face looked. I'm thinking that he either Chris died or he had to put Chris down. See, and I mentioned about him putting Chris down. So, you know, that could be a possibility. Yeah, that's definitely a possibility. Uh, the last part of the episode, or not the last part in the episode, but the last part we're going to talk about of the episode is we finally got to see where Sophia is at. Or not Sophia. Dang it. Ophelia. <laughs> <laughs> where Ophelia went off to. Uh, she kind of has got her backbone put in i guess she comes walking up on a an infected fucking hammer to the head and then walks into the house and starts looking at stuff or i guess it was a it was a hotel or something yep, and i guess her main objective is to go to santa fe and look for her one time lover yeah fiance of some sort or something so yeah we get this impression or through fat flashback which i also think is interesting about fear of the walking dead is we see a lot of uh flashbacks in this show as opposed to the walking dead where you never see a flashback or almost never see a flashback uh so we see that at one point her and a fiance went on a vacation to uh mexico uh and he proposed to her, but the whole relationship was a secret from her mother and father because they wouldn't understand. Uh, she even tells them that she's on a trip with her other girlfriends, and that's what they were doing. Um, when she gets back to, to her house, she kind of is ready to start to tell her mom about it because she says telling her mom first would be the better way to do it. But she backs away from it uh, because of what happens, and you have to. And at that point, she. Uh, she backs out of the the engagement too, or at least that's what I assume. Um, I would assume that that's what happened. Yeah. Now, the character that they're portraying here in the flashbacks, to me, isn't the same character that we saw when the show started. Because in that, she's when the when the show first started, she's very timid and acting a lot younger than what she is. Like, even in uh, The Talking Dead last week, she talks about how, you know, the, when we first meet her character, she's wearing sundresses and acting and acting really naive and stuff like that. And now she's wearing jeans and taking a hammer to the zombie's head and stuff. Yeah. Do you think they did some, like, retconning to her character to make her a little bit more grown up? Definitely, especially with uh, the whole, I mean, still got to say, Daniel was a big influence in now even more so now like the main thing was ju is just survive so you know i think she finally got that message and you know put on her big girl pants and it's time to do it yeah i, I mean 
I mean, definitely now she needs to start acting on her own. And and who knows if she makes it to Santa Fe, if the guy is going to be alive or, you know, if he's alive, was he, is he, did he marry somebody else? Because that was years ago. So uh, we'll have to see how it all plays out. Um, I'm interested in her character very much so now, but I don't like the fact that she's going to be splitting off because now that's technically that's four different storylines in four different locations that we're going to have to follow instead of just a, a group staying together. What if they did a webisode miniseries with her? I wouldn't like that because I tend never to watch the webisodes of any of the shows that I like. Okay. <laughs> I mean, they had webisodes of uh, Cisco from Flash, right? I never watched any of those. Did you watch any yeah. of those? No. Yeah. I only watched the webisode for Fear the Walking Dead. Oh, I see. I didn't even... It was Oh, that was the one that... Uh, no, what was that one about? The airplane. Oh, the yeah. Flight. But see, that wasn't even, I mean, to me, that wasn't even a webisode. That was on during the commercials for Fear the Walking Dead for me. It started off as a webisode, and then they just started playing it during commercials. Uh-huh. And now uh, AMC, uh, one time AMC had a whole 12-minute clip up. Ah, okay. Well, uh, yeah, we'll have to see if that if it plays out that way or not. Uh, I hope they don't, but we'll, we'll see what fate has for I mean more than likely she if she goes off on her own like this i could see her being the one that gets killed off uh for this season uh who else can you see being killed off this season Ooh, if they do uh, if they do a death if they do a death hopefully not strand but you know strand's kind of there he's kind of already um, at death's doorstep yep um i mean if anything i i, I do think that Madison would probably be the one to go. That and, and you know what? I think they could definitely do that because she's the strongest character in the show. So I mean, it'd almost be like she would have to start. She would have to be passing the baton over to Alicia. Yeah, and I mean that would be even worse for Travis having maybe killed his son or having to abandon his son, coming back to the woman that he loves, and you know, find out that she gets killed and you know the next day or something. Yeah, very much so. Uh, anything else that you want to talk about in this episode? No, um, I really hope that the just that the Fear Walking Dead uh, keeps up this this uh, formula. Um, what they're doing now is good. Uh, very good. Um, do you suspect that turning on the the lights has any other lasting effect than just Travis? Um, I mean, if the you know the gang. You know, if they're looking for La Colonia, maybe they sent scouts everywhere, and there's going to be scouts that obviously saw the sign. Uh, that's that's true too. So, uh, all right, we'll we'll have to see what what that brings along, and uh, we'll be back next week. If you want to get a hold of me, I am uh, on Twitter at eight, eight, at agent underscore of the underscore bat. Uh, Daniel, you're on Twitter as well, and Daniel von uh, at Daniel von Helvet on Twitter. And uh, you can find Geek Elite Radio on Twitter at, at Geek Elite Radio. Most of our conversation in the community is over on Facebook, so facebook.com backslash Geek Elite Radio. Uh, be a part of the conversation. Come talk to us. See what, Throw up some of your theories from these shows. Throw up some of the things that you want to see. So uh, we all have something to talk about. Uh, after that, go to our website, geekeliteradio.com, for archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geekly Radio Network. 
but until next week, this has been Televised Heroics on the Geek Elite Radio Network saying always remember to geek out. Geek out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.